The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com All right, Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. Here we go. While you're turning there, interesting story, a man had returned to his native country to find out that the authorities no longer believed in his existence in the mortal plane. His name is Constantin Reliu, 63 years old. He returned to Romania after 20 years of living in Turkey to find out that the Romanian government, at his wife's urging, had previously declared him deceased. Unable to corroborate any details with his wife, the Associated Press conducted a phone interview with Reliu from his residence in Barlad. I am a living ghost, he said. I am officially dead, but I am alive. I have no income, and because I am dead, I can't get a job. I can't do anything. Reliu explained that in the early 90s, he left to work in Turkey. Upon returning and discovering his wife's infidelity, he decided to leave again for good, or so he thought. But in December of 2017, Reliu was detained by Turkish officials for having outdated residency documents and he was reported or deported back to Romania in January, where he discovered that the authorities believed him to be dead. Border agents subjected Reliu to six hours of testing and questioning, asking him topographical questions about his hometown and measuring the contours of his face compared to the old passport photos. They finally released him after their investigation was satisfied. Officials in Barlad, however, were not as accommodating, citing his delay as a clerical error, and they denied his request to overturn the death certificate on the basis of him filing too late. So right now, as we speak, he is still officially dead. But he's alive. He's legally dead, yet he is still alive, and so it remains. So this state, this situation, is not as uncommon and impossible as this might seem. Or better yet, I should say it this way, this state should not be as uncommon. Why? Because in reality, this is the state of someone who would call themselves a Christian. Well, think about it. This is a state of someone who would call themselves a Christian because all Christians are dead to this world. We are dead to this world, yet we are alive in Christ. So for us as Christians today, this life, that we see before us is not our real life. Did you know that? It's not our real life because in reality, we are ghosts in this world. But instead of being ghosts that like in the movies that you're supposed to go to the light, instead of being ghosts that go to the light, We are wincing and pining and yearning to be a part of this world. 
And in the movies, it, this, these people are always miserable when they want something that they cannot have. So the thing is, is that we as Christians, we are dead to this world. Dead to this world. But if we continue to yearn for the things of this world, then we are going to be miserable and very disappointed. Disappointed with God. See, the thing is, here's the question. Why is it that we're dead to the world, alive to Christ, we're dead to the world, why is it that we still desire what the world offers? Let me think about that. Why do we still want what the world offers, even though the Lord tells us in Scripture over and over and over again that everything in this life is meaningless, a chasing after a wind, a vapor? That's what God tells us. But yet we still want it. We still do not seek for wisdom even though the Bible tells us that wisdom is more precious than rubies, we are still chasing after gold and rubies and letting the book of the Proverbs collect dust on our dinner table, our coffee table. Why do we do this? The problem that we need to figure out is why, as a Christian, why is the world still so much more attractive to us than the grace of Christ? Why is that? More attracted, attractive to us than the grace that Christ provides. Christ is telling us in his scriptures that no matter what it is that you're doing, no matter what it is that you've got, no matter what it is that you're facing, no matter what it is that you deal with, my grace is sufficient for you. Christ is saying it's enough. My grace is enough. It's enough for you. But it's almost as if under our breath we're saying, yeah, I know you say that, but is it? Is it really? So many of us are willing to be disobedient and to disengage with our Lord for the things of the world. Why are we still seeking for satisfaction and significance when we already have all we need for life and godliness? The answer is simple. Remember last week I talked about how just if we just use our brains, we find out that a lot of these answers are really simple. You know, it, it, just simple. Turn it on. Simple. Right? Simple answers. Why is it that this still happens? It's because we don't believe it. That's why. When God says that uh, wisdom is more precious than rubies, the reason why we're not seeking after wisdom more than we're seeking after riches is because we don't believe it. Ooh, let's be honest today. Come on, we've got to be honest today. If we're honest today, this sermon is really going to help us. It's because we don't believe it, right? It's a simple answer, just a simple, obvious thing that's just right there. The problem is we want to make it complicated. Why? Because we're worried about hurting our feelings. <laughs> we're worried about making people feel uncomfortable. You know, man, you know, like my friends will say all the time, man, you, you actually told your congregation, my pastor from my friends will say, you actually told your congregation that they don't believe the word of God? Uh, yeah. Are you out of your mind? Did they all show up last week? Yeah, my church, they did. Or the next week, yes, my church, they did. The next week, yeah. They did. Yeah, they did. Believe it or not, they did. 
See, here's the thing. We want to make things difficult when the answer is just so simple. Just, I, I, I might be, uh, you know, maybe I don't have it. Maybe I don't got it. But I am under the impression that God knows more than we do. I, I, that's what I think. At least that's my opinion. That God knows more than we do. So you know what? Let's just trust what he has to say. Whether we like it or not, we trust what he has to say. But that's the thing. People, family, what happens is, is that we hear things like this. And we think that this is the answers that we're giving to the world because we want the world to not be offended and we want the world to not do this. We want all this stuff. We, we, we do this. And so we give these answers that sound absolutely ridiculous they think that because we're quoting the scriptures, that that's actually what the scriptures are saying. No wonder people don't believe what the Bible has to say anymore. If that's what the Bible says, oh my Lord. It's hurting us. It's not helping us. It's hurting us. And the Bible is being very, if you preach the truth, if you preach the gospel, if you proclaim Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. Don't forget, you got to do the resurrection. But if you proclaim the death of Jesus on the cross, the Bible tells you that that message is offensive to an individual who is perishing. So if you're going to do it, you are going to offend somebody. It just is. I'm sorry. It just is. But the reality is, especially for me as a pastor, my job is to not try to say things in a way that doesn't offend people. My job is to preach the truth the way God wrote it. That's it. That's it. So again, our problem in our culture is an unbelief thing. We don't believe. And we're having a hard time believing because we just don't say what the Bible says. The reality is, we still feel as if all that what we had before us is still our real life. It's not. We believe that when we became Christians, many people think that, oh, okay, well, I became a Christian, so now all my problems will go away. I, I became a Christian, so I'm going to have all the bliss and the blessing of heaven right now in my life. That's what people think. I mean, we make fun of the idea of having your best life now. But I wonder if many people, Christians today, are actually walking and operating in life, actually believing that very thing. Believing, secretly hoping that God will give us our inheritance now, just like the brother asks of the father in the story of the prodigal son. The problem we face today is not that we do not have what we ask for. The problem stems from what it is we're asking for and why it is we're asking for it. That's the problem. See, the thing is, is that for me, I just remember that day where the light went on when I, I think... I'm still not completely 100% sure, but I think I got a good grasp of this when Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. We're looking at when Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you as if there is something that's going to come down and fix all the problems. When the reality is, Jesus is saying, my grace is sufficient for you, 
And it's, you're going to find comfort in it when you change how you're thinking about everything in life. And when that part changes, that's when you start to realize something very, very important. That everything that we think is problems today is actually the blessing of God in our lives. And think about it. The blessing of God in our lives. Blessings. I, I was talking to my, one of my mentors, and, and you know, we're, we're talking about things that, that happen and how they happen and all of these types of things. He goes, he goes this new album that you, that you came out with, Shane, he's like, it's great. It's doing really well. It's ministering to a lot of people. You know, a, a lot of things are happening because of it. How many of those songs on that album did you write when you were stuck on that couch recovering from heart surgery? Oh, I think it's seven of those songs. <laughs> Half the album I wrote, I wrote when I was on the couch recovering from heart surgery. Heart surgery. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, I didn't, yeah, this, is not, this is just a horrible, awful thing that I had to go through and you just don't understand. But look at what happened. Look at the good that came from it. It opens up our eyes to see certain things. And then it was at that moment where I started to go, Jesus' grace is sufficient for us. It is. It's, that's all we need. In the end, that's all we need. Because then, all of a sudden, I started to realize the essence of the story of the prodigal son, right? Because remember, we, we, we go through the story of the prodigal son. We, the son comes back, and the father you know, forgives him, all that stuff. And we think that's the end of the story. But really, that's not. The point of the prodigal son wasn't to deal with the issue of the younger brother. The point of the prodigal son was to deal with the issue of the older brother, right? Why? Because he saw Pharisees, he, the way the Pharisees were talking and how the Pharisees were gallivanting and how the Pharisees were disagreeing and arguing. So then he tells the story. So he tells the story in a direct relation, and he's aiming at the Pharisees. And then he says to the, the, the older, right? Because he accepts the younger brother back. And then what happens? But then the older brother was angry. The older brother got upset. The older brother, he was, oh, this, this is just messed up. I cannot believe that you're actually doing this. And then he has a conversation with his father and the father was, you know, you are just a hard man. I've been asking you for this. I've been asking you for this. I've asked you for that. And you wouldn't even do any of this stuff. And I have obeyed you, key. Not once did I disobey you. And he's going after the father. And then the, the whole grace is sufficient for you. It, it comes down and it hits when it comes to this whole thing. He says this. It's right that we celebrate, that we, that we rejoice for what happens to your brother. And then he says this. He goes, why are you upset with this? All that I have is yours. That, that, that's the thing that hits, right? All that I have 
is yours. Family, as a Christian today, God the Father has said it in so many different ways. Do you know as a Christian that you are a co-heir with Christ? You are a co-heir with Christ. Means what? All. The Father is looking at us and saying, all that I have is yours. Everything. Everything that's in this world. I like, I like, the, way, I like the way it says in the, uh, the Lion King. Everything that the light touches is your kingdom. Everything that the light touches is ours. I mean, seriously, ours. Everything in this world. All of it. All of it is ours. Every, every time I drive by, I have to remind myself that. You know, I'm driving by, you know, I, I come out of my... my uh, over at the house, I come out of the fence, I look to the right, and I look at all your guys' cars parked in the parking lot. I see Sean and Sabrina's new Cherokee. And I start going, man, I wish I had a I, I need to get a new car too, just like all of these people. And then I'm reminded, wait a minute. All that he has is mine. And that includes Sean and Sabrina's car. We're, 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 you know, we're, uh, we're looking at this, we're fighting for all these things, it's just everything he has. Oh, but Shane, you know, we just, you know, we just, just would, you know, help if I could just be rich. I just need money, I just need to be rich, I need just all that stuff, it just would help if I did all that stuff. Yeah, I know, you want the gold, you want the rubies, you want the diamonds, you want all that stuff, and you know what, the Bible says, you know what God says in Haggai, the silver is mine. And the gold is mine. It's God's. All that he has is mine. It is. And I, and I, and I feel like I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here with this. But see, and, and many will ask the Lord for wealth every day. And the question that I'm asking is this. See, this is the thing that, that I, I feel like we, we don't hear enough of, but I think that we've got to hear it. Uh, in the, I read, like I tell you guys, I try to read the book of um, uh, The Pilgrim's Progress. Have you guys ever heard of that book, Pilgrim's Progress? Read that book. Let me tell you how important that book is for the life of a Christian. Written by a Baptist. Let me say John Bunyan, Baptist. Anyway. <laughs> Presbyterians like to say they're, he's, no, 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 he's Baptist. John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress. It's so important. I, I try to read that book once a year. It like, literally, it like recenters, refocuses all this. They talk about the prayer that nobody prays. The prayer that nobody prays. But in an important prayer, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 to 9. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 to 9. And I am... I am begging you, Central Baptist Church, please make me wrong every time I say, say that, that the prayer that nobody prays. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 to 9. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 to 9. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. What? Somebody is actually asking the Lord not to give him riches? Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. And here's the key. 
For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? You see that? Did you see that? How important that is? Right? Uh, you know, for many of us, we've grown up with this, right? I mean, me, like I, I tell the story, like me and Steve, you know, we were brought up in prosperity. I know, I know you guys were, you know, to the prosperity gospel, you know, all that stuff. We're all in the guys. It was always about wealth and health and prosperity and all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. And don't, don't even realize and don't even recognize that there is a warning that's here in Proverbs. He prays, God, don't give me riches because if you do, I may deny you. And say, who is God? So why would we want that if that's what it's going to cause us, it could cause us to do? Right? Or are we going to be, you know, like people are when it comes to like, you know, health food? You know, it's just like the doctor tells you, look, if you eat any more McDonald's cheeseburgers, you're going to die of a heart attack. And we keep eating McDonald's cheeseburgers because we think, for some reason, we're different. Oh, everybody else dies. You know, this is, the, you know, I, I shouldn't say cheeseburger, I should say my uh, friends and family members of mine who smoke, right? That what, it, what happens, they say, oh, you smoke all the time, or you know, you're going to die of lung cancer and all this kind of stuff. And they go, yeah, yeah, I hear that all the time. Are you going to stop? Nah. Why not? Well, because it's not going to happen to me. This is how I feel like sometimes when it comes to, we'll hear things like this. Give me just enough to satisfy me. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And you're over there just like the smokers and the cheeseburger people. You're just saying, oh, yeah, I know that most people will do that, but not me. No, if God gives me riches, I won't deny him. Matter of fact, if God gives me riches, I'm going to do so much for the kingdom. I'm going to do so many amazing things for the kingdom. You know, I'm going to give it all away. But I still want to be rich, Shane. It's okay with me. I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to deny Christ if God gives me lots of money. What did I say was our biggest hurdle in our culture today? Self-deception. We constantly lie to ourselves all the time. We think that what we are doing is right and pure, but the reason, the real reason, it's a really, really bad thing. We've got wrong motives, and the Lord is not fooled. Self-deception. Here, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the motives. You know, and, and, that's, and that's another thing that, that, that you see. That's another thing that we see. We see this, this thing where you, we, we feel like if there's obedience, if we're pure, if we do good things, if we're doing the right things, right? We think, okay, as long as we do this, then God is happy with us and God's pleased and so God's going to bless us, right? So this is a common thing that we hear when it comes to when it comes to this kind of stuff, obedience, God's being pleased with us, all this. People may be pure in their own eyes. So we're living life being obedient to God, 
thinking that we're actually doing good works for him, so therefore God will be pleased with us and therefore he will bless us. But he doesn't. And this is what happens. We get mad at God. God, I was doing all these good things. I've been praying every day like you want me to. I've been reading my Bible every day like, I, like you want me to. I've been doing all of these things like you want me to. I've been going to church every single Sunday just like you wanted me to. You know, I, I had to listen to Pastor Shane, you know, all those sermons and all this, all this stuff. I've been doing all this stuff and, you know, now he's coming close to me and I see spit come out of his mouth. It's going to land on me, all this stuff. I mean, all this, you know, all these bad things and I had to endure all of this stuff. I have been a good Christian I've done all these things you need to bless me and you're not and I'm not even asking to be the richest person in the world I'm just asking you to make me the second richest person in the world I'm not asking you for a lot why can't you just bless me why don't you do it and in the back of our minds we think that we actually did we were actually obedient. We think we did everything that we were supposed to do. Therefore, God owes us. And then, bang, Proverbs gives this scripture right here to open up our eyes. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Do you know that you can do good things and sin while you're doing it? Wow, Shane. I, I, I give the example. Uh, one of the things that I like to bring up all the time is honesty. Would we say that honesty is a good thing? Right? We don't want to tell a lie. You know, we don't lie. I'm, a, I'm an honest person. I, I just, I, I want the Lord to be pleased with me. Right? So let's just say that's what we want to do. So we would say that a person who never lies, a person who's honest, we would say this person is doing a good work. Wouldn't we? For the most part, we would, right? But then what if this happens? What if Randy comes up and says, Shane, you are the most honest person I know. You always tell the truth. You never lie. You know, that, that one lady at the church, you know, she had just lost her husband, and she came to the church with this brand new hairdo that she spent $500 on, she looked like the bride of Frankenstein. And when she asked you, when she asked you, what? don't ask me why I said that. I'm sorry. When she asked you, hey, Shane, do you like my hair? You told her no. You are the most honest person I know. What? This is amazing, okay? So, so Randy's impressed. Why do you do this? How do you do this? And I say, hey, Randy, it's real simple. I tell the truth because I am not like those disgusting liars in this world. I tell the truth because I'm not like those people. I tell the truth because I'm above that petty, immature stuff. That I'm above all of these people. That's why I tell the truth. Question, am I living in righteousness or am I sinning? You see, people may be pure 
in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. See, so when you think you're being obedient, you think you're doing everything that you need to do in order for the Lord to be happy with you, think again. The motive may not be pure. Right? I'm gonna, I know I give you guys this example all the time. I'm just going to do it one more time because just, you, know, you, you got to keep doing this stuff because I really need you all to get this and really make sure that it's there. So remember I gave the example about me and my wife. We have an argument. Okay? I left the toilet seat up again. She's just had it. Shane, I'm just, I've had it with this. I'm done. You know, we get into this argument. I, I, why? This is, I'm the head of this household. I can leave the toilet seat up if I want to. You know, we always, guys, we always come up with these excuses like, you know, if you leave the toilet seat up, it just makes everything more sanitary. That's the reason why you do it. Yeah, look at all the women are shaking their heads and the guys are like, that's true. And we get into this argument, we get into a fight. And then I start saying things that is really mean and hurtful to her. She starts saying things that are mean and hurtful for, for me. And then she storms off into, you know, her office and I go to the bedroom. And I go and I sit on my chair. That's right. I'm the man. This is, this is all, this is, a, you, you know what? I'm not apologizing. That's not happening. No, you're going to come in. I, I'm good. I just, I'm plenty content. Sit here all day. I'm just remote control, watch the TV, all that stuff, right? But then what happens? I'm watching the TV and then my stomach goes. I'm like, man kind of hungry. I don't want to cook, and it's, it's Janine's turn to cook tonight. You know what? If I want to eat, I got to do something. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you get up, you go to the room, and you guys are just, you're just watching me do this, right? You're just watching, you're just outside by scenarios watching. I go up to Janine, wife. My dear wife. Oh, wait, she's right here. I am so sorry. I beseech thee to forgive a poor lowly spirit. I know not what I had do. Please forgive me and don't hold this against me. And I love you so much. And I say all of those types of things. And then Janine gets up and she goes, okay, oh, my husband is so amazing. Are you hungry? A little. And she goes, makes me dinner. I'm sitting there at the dinner table eating this overcooked pork chop. And I'm just kidding, <laughs> but not really. Oh, this pork, you know, and I'm eating this food and I'm going, man. Life is good. How many of you, if you saw everything that just took place, even behind the scenes, would you say that that was the most despicable thing I've ever seen anybody do? Yeah, everybody would. But on the surface, everyone's thinking, well, look at how good of a husband Shane is. He humbled himself, he went to his wife, and he apologized. How amazing is that? God's going to bless him. Oh, man, God is going to bless him. God is going to do so much for him. He is just such a good husband. And then why is your elbowing your husband going, why can't you be like that? Family, pure in our own eyes 
but the Lord examines the motives. So here's the key. You guys didn't see what happened behind the scenes. All you did, all you saw was me apologize to Janine. Did God see what happened behind the scenes? You better believe he did. And so we're still, we're, so we're upset with him. God, you just, you, you just, I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do and you're not blessing me. And then we get upset with God. Not even checking our own motives. Why is it that we can't see that the problem that's going on here might be a problem with us, not God? But we always go to God, and then we get upset. We get angry. We feel this, like he's cheated us. This is the problem that we face in our culture. Deceived by what it is that we think. Deceived by what it is that we do. There's also, um, Jesus talks about the unworthy servant. Let's just say, okay, just for argument's sake. Let's just say, you actually did do everything that you were supposed to do. And your motives were good. Let's say you did. Obey do what it is that God told you to do and you were, you know, were absolutely perfect and you did everything that you were supposed to do, right? Let's just say that that actually happened. And then we go to God and God doesn't do what we ask him to do. But I know I was perfect. I know I was perfect. My motives were good. Wasn't it God? And let's just say God says, yeah, absolutely. Your, every single one of your motives was good. So, so then I did what I was supposed to do. I was obedient. I did everything I was supposed to do. I was obedient. I did it all. Why are you withholding this from me? Jesus tells the parable of the unworthy servant. Why is this important? Because he says the servant does everything that he's supposed to do, right? And then he comes in. What master is going to say to the servant, oh, wow, you did all this work? Well, great. Why don't you come sit down with me and have dinner with me? No master is going to do that. You know what the master is going to tell the servant? Yes, good, you did everything that you were supposed to do. Now, go in the kitchen, get my food ready, and serve me. Jesus tells this parable. Because in the end, even... When we do everything that we're supposed to do, we're still unworthy. Why is that? Because let's just say, let's just say, and we, we, we all know Linda Zellner is like 99.9% .9 perfect. Okay, let's just say, right? We, we know that. Did God say, that he wanted us to be 99.9% .9 perfect. What does God require of all of us? 100% obedience. Even if we could actually go up to God and say, God, I have never done anything wrong. I was 100% perfect. Do you know what? He's meaning when he talks about that parable, even if we're 100% perfect, even if we did everything we're supposed to do, what's he going to say? All you did 
was everything you're supposed to do anyway. Whoa, did you get that? Even if you are completely obedient to God, that's what you're supposed to do anyway. So you're coming to me, asking me for favors, telling me that you're in this good position, so therefore you deserve for me to bless you because you were 100% perfect? No, that's your job description. Right? It's like you go to your boss and you just say, you know, sir, I've been doing so much at my job. I've been a really good, I've been, I've been doing everything that I need to do. And especially when it comes to the hours that I put in. Man, I am consistently putting in eight hours every single day. I deserve a raise for going over and above the call of duty. Your boss is going to be like, eight hours a day? You're supposed to do eight hours a day. Matter of fact, you don't do eight hours a day, you get fired. So when we go to the Lord and say, I was 100% obedient for real, and the Lord says, yeah, you were. All you did was your job. We're still unworthy servants. So you know what this means? Anything and everything that the Lord does for us is his grace. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. We there's nothing we can do to put God in our debt. So if he does anything for us, if he does anything for you, it's because of his grace. Family, that's why his grace is sufficient for us. And I just want to thank you guys for letting me shoot from the hip today. We're going to have to go to the sermon next week. <laughs> but I just thought that this was really, really important for us to discuss today. Because God's grace is so important. And God's grace for us Christians is everything. This is how Christ, this is what he's meaning when he's saying my grace is going to be sufficient for you. Because it is your everything. Everything in this world is just a mist. Everything that in this world is going to get eaten by the canker worm. The moths are going to take it. It all diminishes. It all goes away. But what God brings to us, his grace is forever. And it is his grace today by which we stand. We stand on his grace. The only reason why we are able to stand is because of his grace. The only reason why we're able to walk is because of his grace. Only reason why we're able to talk is because of his grace. The only reason why we can see the kingdom of God is because of his grace. The only reason why we can see that Christ is alive is because of his grace. Everything that we have is his grace. So when people talk about his grace, I will stand here and say to this day, God's grace is still amazing. still amazing, family. And not only just for my life, but for your life too. 
And, and that was this wonderful thing about this barbecue that we've been having. I've been able to sit down and talk with a lot of you and, and to hear more about your background and more about what you've come from. The fact that our friend and our brother Frank is here, sitting here, is because of God's grace. You know, and I know you all think that Charlie is this amazing person, which he is. <laughs> but even Charlie is here because of God's grace. Oh, you think, you think that, oh, but, but I, I've been going to church since I was a little kid. So what? You were just a, a number that, that was counted on the bulletin. You could come to church and still not be a Christian. That was one of the first testimonies I got from an individual. I was talking to Lori Sellers, and she was telling me that she was one of those in church, and it was just one special day that happened where she actually had faith, where she saw the truth and believed the gospel. In church her whole life, it happened. So here's the thing. Lori's here, continuing to believe the truth of the gospel because of his grace. God could have just let her, right? He could just let us just sit in church thinking that we're okay. But he doesn't do that. He opens up our eyes to help us to see where we're off to bring us back to his grace. Back to him. Because of his grace. Our God is so gracious. So awesome. So much that we have today. Because of his grace. And the one amazing thing that he did for you and an amazing thing that he did for me is he also because of his grace gave us a gift and that gift was repentance that gift was faith I believe because he opened my eyes and opened my heart so that I could believe faith I believe because he caused me to believe we see the kingdom of God because he caused us to be born again. He gave us new life so that we could see the kingdom of God and we could reach out to our Lord. That's God's grace. See, and that's, that's, this is the thing I'm talking about. When it comes to God's grace and because of what God does, it takes the focus off of us and puts our focus where it needs to be. That my, my hope in this life is not one day I'm going to be able to stand up and I'm going to be able to move on my own. No, that's not my hope. <laughs> that's my nightmare. If the only good thing is going to happen in my life is because of the efforts and the strength of my own efforts and my own strength, if that's the only way I'm going to get through life, then I'm doomed. I can get up and I can move with hope because my hope is not in me. My hope is not in you. My hope is in the Lord. And he's the one that can pull me through. Well, but Shane, he, he doesn't really do anything for me. No, he has done everything for me because it's by his grace that I can stand. And it is. So we have so much. God has so much in store for us, doesn't he? It says it in his word. He's able to do more than we could ever ask or even imagine. No eye has seen, no ear has heard all the things that the Lord has in store for us. Family, yeah, amen. Family, 
when it comes to what we have, we have so much more than this. Look outside in this world. Look at all this stuff. What we're entitled to or what we're going to get is so much more than this. So here's the thing. God has destined for us to have so much more. But here's the thing, Christian, not only do you have so much more, we are also called to be so much more. That's why, that's why we're here. That's why we're, we're, we struggle. That's why we learn. That's why we're disciplined. This is training in righteousness, family so that we can be well-trained, well-equipped kings and queens of the kingdom of heaven. I, I know some of you guys some follow me on social media and I've been on this kick lately. I've been doing public service announcements for the angels. Did you guys know that? On social media, I'm giving public service announcements for the angels. And essentially what I am saying is, is that in the end, family, the Bible says that we are going to judge angels, which means we're going to have authority over the angels. So the public service announcement for the angels today is this. For the sake of the angels, please, please be trained. Know your Bible. Stop running from suffering. Stop running from problems. Let the Lord train you so that we can be well-trained kings and queens of the kingdom of heaven. Right? Don't be one of those guys that the angels don't want you to be, you know, be like the angels are up there and be like, who, who's going to be over us this next millennia? Oh, they gave me Charlie. Oh, Charlie. Man, that dude could not go through one moment of suffering the whole life. He didn't even read his Bible. He didn't. Let's not be that. God has called us to grow and to mature to be. You got so much more, but he wants you to be so much more. Come on, let's be honest. We're disciples of Christ, aren't we? Called to take up our cross, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. Now, don't you think that a disciple of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords should appear so much more than a disciple of of some guy who's dead in the grave right now. No. God is, is looking at us going, no, no, you're different. You're not like everybody in this world. These people crack under pressure. These people do this. These people walk away. These people can't endure anything. You are my disciples. I have given you the Holy Spirit. You can overcome everything. You are more than conquerors. You are so much more. I've called you to be so much more. Family, are we going to be so much more today? But before all of that, God did need to open our eyes, didn't he? Because that's the thing that we still struggle with even today. Struggle with the flesh. Struggle with sin. Sin, that thing that so easily besets us. Sin, 
causes us to have bad motives. Sin that causes us to walk in the wrong direction. Sin. And sin is, man, that's messy business. And it's serious. Sin, (laughs) so serious. The wages of sin is not a slap on the wrist. The wages of sin is not even 50,000 years in purgatory. The wages of sin is death. To live for the rest of your life in eternity, faced with the wrath of God. What a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God, the Bible says. Yeah, it's real. But the reality is, here's the good news. Can we be saved from that? Can we be saved from sin? Yes, we can. This is the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Remember, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. That he came to seek and save that which was lost. That he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's salvation for us today. The the Bible continues to give us more promises that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes, he's called his people to be saved and to be so much more. So sin is a serious thing. But family, this is something that's super profound. And something that, that we've got to always remind ourselves. Uh, the great Martin Luther, or the reformer, he said this once. God is not hostile to sinners. This is, a, this is amazing. When he said this, it like literally sent chills up my spine. God is not hostile to sinners. He's hostile to unbelievers. And so we thank God today that he opened our eyes, gave us grace, faith to believe. And that's a hard one for us. Why? Because unbelief is is humanity's greatest weakness. O ye of little faith. But God saved us from that too. So my focus is not on me. It's not on you. It's not on a political party. It's not on the people or groups in this world. My hope is in Jesus. That he said, he who began a good work in us will be faithful to bring it to completion in the day of the Lord. Not me. He will bring it to completion. And let me say this to you. Why is this good news for us? Because my God, your God, He does not fail. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, 
go to www.cbcaurora.com.